Welcome to the Ether. Today is Saturday, April 30th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part one of a two part Cosmos Spaces Space, hosted by Tricky, talking about liquid staking with Quicksilver Zone and other Cosmos validators. Let's take a listen. Reese, what's up? Hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, doing? Doing good, man. Been a good day. A lot of programming, efficient stuff, having fun. <laughs> Just jamming away. Got some more people. Uh... Finding their way in here. Let's let some more peeps Hello. get in. We'll get people up in the stage. What's up, Jacob? Well, not too much. Um, well, I mean, really, actually, quite a bit. This this, this top sixty nine <laughs> stuff is. Um, what can I say? I, you know, it's not necessary uh, to destabilize this incredibly, incredibly important chain in Cosmos by inventing. Uh, the stipulation that those who vote no with veto must also exit the chain. Um, so, Notional has now vetoed 69, uh, and we will not exit. We will continue to work for improvements to the Cosmos Hub and for the Cosmos Hub to lead IBC innovation. Um, yeah, that's that's our platform. And that's what we're up to on the Cosmos Hub front. Yeah, man, this uh, the Prop sixty nine stuff's got got people uh, their gears going. It's been uh, it's been pretty interesting. You know, at, at first it just seemed like a simple prop, like oh, Cosmos are cool, but there's a uh, there's a lot more to it than uh, meets the eye at first. Yeah, so I mean, with Cosmosm, we're just a simple no. Um, I you know like okay, so we make governance decisions internally. Uh, we don't weight them, although apparently that that's something we can now do with the new code. Um, so, like, basically, we just you know debate internally what what our position is, and we landed at a no because we do run a lot of Cosmosm chains, and like, unfortunately, the claims that that Billy from the ICF made around. Um, you know, especially CW and performance kind of saying that it's just like any other module. That's, in, in our opinion anyway, it's not true. Um, you know, like Cosmosm has a very significant performance impact. And today I realized it it may actually be responsible for a set of peer-to-peer network issues that we've been observing for months and couldn't really figure out. Um, but then, you know, I, 69 kind of got me thinking and I was looking at these chains and I was like, wait a minute, there's one similarity between all of these. That's Cosmosm. Boom. Doing that investigative work. Um, yeah. I mean, so yeah. like that piece, right? That piece is just a no though. Cosmosm is not 
evil and did I get rugged or Jacob get rugged? I think Jacob got rugged. <laughs> Jacob, you there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. That, I thought we thought. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so yeah, like, you know, Cosm Wasm was just a simple no, and it that was like on technical matters. In fact, it could probably be improved in ways that could lead to it being fine on the hub, although we're likely to try and promote a constitution over the next couple of weeks uh, that actually would put scope limitations on the hub, and that would rule out Cosmwasm. Um, that way, the hub can really focus on IBC innovation. That's what I'd like to see developed there. It's also like where I'd like to see um, ICF resources pointed, and even the engineering resources of groups that validate the hub the you know like I'd, I'd also like to see them working on ibc we recently at notional began to contribute to the ibc go code base and uh it's been awesome jacob i do have a question before we get into the quick silver side of things what yeah, if sure. so we see no with veto and then it's you will exit the network if passed let's assume that a rogue actor for another proposal decided to put in every single section, yes, no, no with veto, abstain, something that had to happen provided one of those things passed. Because it's like with this, no with veto, you would exit the network if passed. You could put that on yes, no, and abstain as well. And that would basically mean that everyone is willing to exit the network. So is that something that, that could happen in the future? It's like, should we only pass governance proposals provided the yes? It's like just that well, side of so, things. Um, no, no, that, that's, a, that's a really, really good question. And um the answer will take a minute and i'll walk you through it so um currently the majority of proposals are either signaling or spend proposals which are very simple very yeah you know you're on the craft economy team so you probably know that the governance module has now been refactored and it can you can pass a governance proposal for any sdk message now uh, so like guys, for example, you know, the community pool, uh, could delegate to a validator. Now that's, that's changed. Um, and, and not only that, but like anything you can do anything now, any, any message that's valid on the chain, you can have a vote for it. And, um, I mean, I guess you can't really code enforce a user action. I think that's one of the many reasons why, you know, I've I've now gone and I've voted no with veto uh, on sixty nine because, like, there's nothing in the code that says I need to exit. I I just I just you know like on tech alone, it's just a plain no and like not really a big deal. Then I I kept reading that no with veto, and then I looked at one of my own recent proposals, and I was like, wait, mine is accurate. This is inaccurate. We, and th that's when I changed the vote. Does that help you, Reese? Yeah, so with governance proposals, we couldn't have other options do other actions on the chain provided it. Um, so like if, like more into the thing, so with no with veto, there's no code that says you have to exit the network. But let's assume that there was code that, that was provided to show exactly what needed to be done if the no with veto did pass. Um, could that also be done with other areas where you could 
you could re uh, require anyone that does vote on this proposal to have to leave the network. It's kind of like a more meta thing, just as like a, a security risk that could happen that I'm thinking through that could be like I an attack against the network. Programmed. So especially with the new SDK features, you know, I think we could program that in. Vish, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, Jacob. How's it going? Pretty good. And you? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I was just uh, listening to your conversation. I think that's pretty messed up that uh, the whole uh, leave the network thing. I like if it if it can be coded in, um, I don't think we should vote on anything that would enable that. Yeah, that's um, that's a very good point. I can tell you the history of that. So, like, basically, the the whole leave the network thing was there. Um, it was discussed at one point, but it's nowhere in the code or anything. And I actually, I read through the whole governance module before changing our vote. Um, there's just no mention of it any longer. And um, I think that the only mention of it might've actually been, there was like a very old uh, matrix chat server. Um, and, you know, there, there was just some talk about, basically that no with veto should only be used when you consider a proposal so severely flawed that it would cause you to leave the network. But that's, that's not in any of the code. It's not enforced by code. And what no with veto actually does is if a proposal hits the veto threshold, which is 33%, um, the proposer will lose their deposit on the proposal. Uh, and the, the proposal will not pass. So like, even if, you know, the rest of the popular vote, um, is sufficient to pass the proposal past that 33% threshold with no, with veto, it won't pass. Right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get on to, uh, some of the topics, uh, for today. Maybe we can even still continue to talk about this afterwards. Um, uh, today we sure, want to yeah. uh, welcome everybody here. Appreciate everybody coming uh, to join our discussion uh, with uh, validators and the Quicksilver team, so that we can talk about uh, liquid staking. Uh, kind of go over a little more of what it is again, just so get everybody refreshed, um, and then we can talk about like uh, the effects that it could have on um, the network. Kind of like we'll go over what benefits uh, it offers, the difficulties it brings, like things we need to make sure we overcome, um, and kind of where we see it going later. Um, so maybe Vish, you can just start us off and give us kind of like uh, a basic background of Quicksilver and what liquid staking is, um, and kind of what it's going to offer to uh, the ecosystem and the benefits it'll have. Yeah, uh, and for those of you who heard me last week, sorry if this gets repetitive, but just to make it brief, um, Liquid staking essentially is, is having a, a liquid representation of a staked asset, uh, which you can use uh, in DeFi, right, essentially. And so I guess that is liquid staking as a concept. And Quicksilver actually initially started with the Berlin Hackathon, where Joe Bowman, our CEO, developed one of the first implementations of liquid staking uh, on Cosmos. But obviously, there was no IBC. There was no, there was no real market uh, for anything, for that matter, on Cosmos. So couldn't be made into a product per se. Uh, and then fast forward like 2021, uh, things were coming up like interchain accounts. We heard Zaki was working on the liquidity staking module 
and then this seemed viable again. So we were a team at Chorus One. I personally was involved in like liquid staking research and design, uh, which Chorus One was pretty heavily involved with. Uh, and we decided, hey, I think this is the time to spin off and build this off. So yeah, that's sort of the story where we were like, we got together and and built uh, built Quicksilver. In terms of like the benefits Quicksilver brings, I think liquid staking as a whole is pretty much a prerequisite in the Cosmos ecosystem or really any proof of stake chain uh, for DeFi to emerge in, in any meaningful way. Because I think the fundamental problem with proof of stake is that it requires you to lock up a large part of your um, large part of your supply. And especially with most Cosmos SDK chains, the max slashable value is only around 5%. So really, like you could use that 95% for a lot more. And that promise of lot more is what Quicksilver hopes to un- unlock. Yeah, I um, it gets fascinating, doesn't it? Because... Like if you have a product like Quicksilver, which maybe maybe I'll even how about if it's cool with you, Vish, I'll explain how I think Quicksilver works to the audience. You you correct me if I get anything wrong, okay? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, so like the the way that I understand it working is that that basically the Quicksilver zone, uh, we use interchain accounts, uh to manage a pool of stake on behalf of a group of users. And uh, so once that's in, you then have the ability, um, well, you get this secondary asset. You guys are calling them Q assets, right? Yep. Yeah. So you get these Q assets and um, that is movable but the chain remains secured by the slash ability of the stake. This is where it gets like a little weird. It's sort of, you know, you have to ask yourself, why do these, why does this particular type of distributed database even have value, right? And that's, you know, a Cosmos blockchain is, is exactly that. It's a distributed database with, with custom transaction types and the special trick of immutability and then the special trick of, of being able to talk to other distributed databases uh, using IBC. So once you have these, these Q assets, it's my understanding that, yeah, you could use them to participate in DeFi and the like. Now, I think the controversial piece about Quicksilver, which, mind you, I find the way that Quicksilver does this to be very transparent and not a problem. But heard some discussion from Sonny that 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 he he's sort of opposed to the the socialization of a slash. So guys, I just walked through that like the security model of a Cosmos chain. Uh, you know, basically it relies on the fact that your funds are actually at stake. You can lose money. Uh, if your validator tries to cheat the network and this, you know, contributes to the overall security and the Quicksilver model, then Vish, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm correct that it's the pool that gets slashed, right? So yeah, it's, so it's like a group of validators. And when one of those validators gets slashed, the, the aggregate, um, 
collateral asset that backs the Q. Uh, let's let's just say atom. So the aggregate atom is is what's getting slashed, and the Q atom is not. And anybody here who follows my Twitter has seen I've had you know recent adventures and like playing with. Uh, these liquid staking systems. They even made a mistake kind of analyzing uh, the way that Crescent's liquid staking works. Um, so yeah, that, it, did I get it about right, man? Yeah, yeah. I think you definitely like, got the the basics right. Uh, and with regards to like socialization of risk, right? If like that's that's something we want to discuss. I think I think socialization of rewards and risk is across the entire validator set is pretty much the best way to maintain uh, fungibility or as far as we're aware of. And in terms of like the security element of it, see, so one thing I personally think that the max 5% staking amount is, so if, if you think about what disincentivizes a validator to misbehave, you could argue in some ways that it is slashing, but, but there are other elements to it, right? There's there's reputation. There's there's the fact that you simply cannot misbehave because of a decentralized enough validator set. Um, so I think for for us right now we have a slapstick solution to security, which is participation rewards, right? We we would commit a certain amount of inflation to for users to make performant and decentralized validator choices. And how this enables security is that hey. In a competitive, um, in, in a competitive validator environment, if one validator has some downtime or gets slashed, they would lose a substantial amount of participation rewards. They'd be at the bottom of our UI, and and in some ways, I think this is a greater punishment or a greater disincentive than that zero point one percent slash, right? Which many might not even notice. Uh, so again, but I, I believe any incentive-based solution is not permanent, right? And there are a few permanent solutions that have gone around, actually even on Cosmos Spaces last week about like possibly having possibly having like automated like an algorithm which which tracks performance and and decentralization and auto delegates across. Now that's an option. I mean, there there will be numerous governance issues with that which we'd have to solve for. But I think that once the participation reward system starts outrunning its life, so to say, uh, the Quicksilver community will uh, will work towards a more permanent security solution. And I think a lot of these security solutions will now start appearing on the liquid staking layer instead of the original consensus layer, which I think is is an interesting uh, development. Yeah, well, so I, you know, I really like that about the Quicksilver design. You know, it's external to uh the chain itself and that's uh <clears throat> i think that's going to be really beneficial um if we look at like the the crescent design it's not really able i i feel like there are risks and you know when i initially analyzed those risks i didn't get the critique quite right but i still feel that this Quicksilver design, for example, if it were implemented on a foreign chain, the the only thing that it really adds to in terms of risk, and I'll, I'll say this as a validator, is that I'll get slashed when somebody else does, and there I feel like the 
the accountability is a little bit less atomic. Have, hey, have you ever thought about breaking up the groups of validators, like so that it's not across the entire set, so that, like for example, uh, the Bare Metal Alliance could create, you know, a group of validators, and then have their oh. That's why you said across the entire fund across the entire yeah, validator set because it'd be a bunch of validity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then there would be a bare metal Q atom or someone else Q atom. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be tough from a UX perspective, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that would just be a lot of assets. Getting liquidity for them would be quite a challenge. Yeah, but like Jacob, what do you think about like the? The, the incentive mechanism that we have in place to punish validators that do get slashed. Do you, do you think, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think about it? I don't know about it. Could you tell me about it a little bit, please? Yeah, so essentially like the participation reward system. Uh, so a percentage of our inflation will be dedicated to rewarding users who make decentralized and performant validator choices, right? So technically, if if in like the competitive validator environment we are now, if like there is a case of downtime or if there is some actual slashing that a validator happens to go through, then their participation rewards would tank substantially. So the APR users would receive by delegating to them would reduce and that would obviously lead to users redelegating a potentially large amount. And this validator would be placed at the bottom of the UI. So is this what, what, how I see it, I think this is in many ways a greater disincentive than the 0.1% slashing for downtime or the 5% uh, slashing for double signing, for example. Um, so I, I think this possibly, is what we used possibly, to but, um, but I yeah. should say that... Um, do you, okay, let's talk downtime slashes for just a second. Did you know that Osmosis doesn't have them? Oh, really? Oh, I wasn't yeah. aware of that. Okay. So Osmosis doesn't have them, and I'll, I'll kind of like walk you through why. Okay. Basically, uh, Sonny and Dave felt that, just, you know, I, I do agree with this position, um, that like actually a, a downtime situation has no clear malice to it whatsoever. You just stopped signing, and the, the key thing to do uh, to protect the chain in that situation is to just remove the validator from consensus. Um, so what what I've been looking at for a couple of years now uh, is just this whole notion of, of running validators at the edge of the network. And one of the things that makes that difficult for sure is that when you run on the edge, you are less reliable. Um, I, we've managed at Notional to get our systems up to around four nines, you know, on average, um, which is great, right? That actually means we have data center level performance, but even more secure than what we do because we, you know, I'd say in terms of equipment around, I guess, a hundred thousand dollars in the past year. Um, <clears throat> so it wasn't it wasn't cheap and we're not really I wouldn't want anybody to think that 
Oh, we can have Notional set up at home. Uh, we have a room that's half full of servers at this point. We have three very fast internet lines and a custom-built router that, that balances traffic, right? Interestingly, though, we're not in a commercial data center. It is just, you know, a small office building. Um, so, and also when you when you look at budgets for this sort of stuff, I mean, 100000 really isn't all that bad. A lot of validators spend that much on cloud services in a year alone. So, anyhow, when it comes to ranking validators on reliability, this is where it gets tricky because there are flavors. Um, for example, on Osmosis, if you use a slow computer to run your validator, then you will contribute to a long delay that happens around our midnight. Uh, I'm in Vietnam, so plus seven GMT, uh, called the APOC time, okay? Now that downtime is really bad. Um, and validators should be encouraged to, to use better equipment because what it results in is a period of time when you can't transact on osmosis at all. Um, so like that's very bad. Another thing that's very bad is downtime around upgrades. That's a really, really big problem. Overall though, um, if, the, if the misses are distributed among the validator set, Honestly, 98% is probably totally fine just because of how the consensus mechanism works. Um, and so I guess what I would say is that I would not have the user interface emphasize only uh, node stability because I think that over the next couple of years, We'll build more decentralized, more distributed, more performant networks actually by staying out of the cloud entirely. I also see the economics shifting uh, such that, you know, for example, I validated from a 4G module, one of those little USB guys. I did it just to test it, right? I have validated the Cosmos hub, the main net on a Raspberry Pi. Same thing, I did it just to test it. It didn't, actually it worked great for a couple of hours and then it got a little angry. Um, and basically like when we do this stuff at Notional, what we do, we tell our delegators before doing it. So like with the hub, right? I wanted to test that out. Um, I definitely contacted, you know, our Cosmos hub delegators and I said, hey guys, I want to try something, but it's, it's mildly stupid, but we would learn a lot from doing it. They encouraged me to do it, so I did. Indeed, we, we learned a ton about uh, like resource-constrained operation by doing that. So I guess, really, repetitive downtime, especially when it happens at the same time as other nodes, that's an indicator of a problem. However, let's say there's a validator, they're hitting 98.5% of blocks, 
the performance of their machine is very good, but their network conditions are such that they're only hitting 98.5. I actually do not think there's a consequence to the network for that. I don't view it as a risk. Um, and I know that that's kind of why like Osmosis does not have that downtime slash. We also didn't put a downtime slash in dig either. Uh, and you know, same reasoning, right? Basically allow people to have more flexible setups. And if we compare the double sign slash, double sign always malicious. Um, except for Joe's. <laughs> Joe Abby had a double. Okay. He had a double sign and it was non-malicious during a software upgrade. Yeah, I mostly like agree with you there with the downtime slashing. But yeah, I guess like with regards to like a Quicksilver participation rewards design, uh, we just be using, or at least well, we're in the process of finalizing it, but we, we, will, we will be using like the rewards that the validators contribute to the pool as, as a measure of performance and sort of compare that against their voting power. Um, so I guess if like Osmosis doesn't have downtime slash, then Q Osmo uh, wouldn't have that either. Yeah, and I guess the, the other, you know, I would just say that when you're thinking about stuff like UI prioritization of validators, it might even be like, you might want to be looking for, okay, are they not on AWS? But then we get into one more hairy issue. And uh, friends, compatriots, nobody will really discuss this because, okay, I'm gonna discuss it. I have a couple of other times. Sentry nodes, okay? Um, I, we, we do not generally use them at Notional. And the reason that we do not generally use them, well, there are a couple, okay? When we run a validator on site at our office, um, that is going through a router and it, it's not, you know, genuinely exposed to the internet, except for only its peer to peer port. And even that is, I mean, we custom built our router. Uh, it is not a normal router, let's say. Um, so we feel that that's sufficiently safe. And then even in addition to that, if we ever felt that something was going on there, uh, our router is what's called a multipath router, we're able to just change immediately where the validator nodes exit to the internet. Um, now, how did, I, how did I get it? I started, where was I? Just launched into the router, was talking peer-to-peer -peer networks, and sentry ah, nodes, yes, the great controversy. Okay, you can't tell where a validator is using software if they're using sentry nodes. You could find the majority of Notional's validators, like even know what, what data center they're in, um, because in general, we don't use sentry nodes. There's a problem with the sentry node design. It's in my opinion, serious. Uh, the Sentry node design calls for validators to run at least three nodes called sentries that sit in front of the validator and for the validator to not be directly exposed to internet traffic. Trouble is people, 
This pattern allows you to have N validators behind the three centuries, and no one will ever know. So, Reese, I'm kind of interested for your perspective. Uh, for liquid staking from like a, a smaller validator, um, do you think this is something that you're excited about? Um, do you think that this is going to help with decentralization to the smaller guys, um, especially with some of the Quicksilver um, incentives they do? Or how do you feel so, about it? So hearing about it, you know, I still need to research into it more. Uh, I'm still I'm still at the basics of it and not fully understanding the protocol. So I've I got to dig more into it. But if everything is as good as it is said, I think this is massive for the network to allow you to use these, you know, Q atoms and whatever else for other DeFi applications while it is still staked uh, liquidly. So that's why I'm really interested in Quicksilver. Uh, As Jacob had also said, he brought up the the Crescent. So like I was going to be looking into Crescent, but now I'm going to fully focus into Quicksilver and continue to learn about that. So that way I'll be more well-versed in it. Yeah, I think with with regards to decentralization, the elephant in the room, is like whitelisted validator sets, right? And this this is a debate that that's being had. And I guess like just to just to like jog the memory of everyone, like a whitelisted validator set essentially is is the protocol, or in many cases the team really selecting say ten to fifteen validators and saying, hey, this is the validator set. Let's let's run with it. And I think so far this has been like the preferred route, right? Lido has done it on. Ethereum, Solana, they're, I, as far as I'm aware, going to do the same on, on the hub. P-Stake, to some extent, has done something similar. Um, and yeah, I think, so why I think it's it's a risk now, while it wasn't before, is because of the liquidity staking module, right, that, that the occlusions team is working on. So this enables users to uh, transfer their delegation into a liquid staking protocol instantly. That's a one-click process. So there's no unbonding period. And and the issue with that, as I see it, is if you have a protocol with a whitelisted validator set, which dominates, you essentially have people potentially mass delegating out of small validators into this whitelist who could stay to dominate the set overnight, really. I mean, if you have no unbonding period, there's theoretically nothing stopping a mass flow into, into these protocols and uh, and the whitelist. And I think that's pretty bad uh, for decentralization. I think for network uh, stability, security, and yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty bearish on the entire concept. Curious to hear what you guys think. Oh, uh, well, uh, ah, you've, you've hit a new aspect to your project that I like. I had never thought of the implications of Quicksilver on chain bootstraps. So right now it's really, really hard when you're building a new chain to organize a validator set. And in fact, it's always hard to organize a validator set. And, uh, you have really, really, really a lot of coordination work to do. Um, so I think there was, I think you're looking at a net positive effect. And I think that's sort of the question that you were asking is like, do you think that this will be a helpful thing for the ecosystem? I think yes. I I hadn't thought about the community implications of your product actually um 
But one thing that you might even want to do is tie in with tooling uh, that, you know, assists in the launch of new chains. So out of, out of Ignite, you have the Ignite CLI. Um, and actually at Notional, we're working on a piece of tooling that will actually shimmy into the Cosmos SDK code base. Um, and is, is really, it's in fact, it is a fork of the Ignite CLI that is designed and maintained uh, to be used from the very latest point of the Cosmos SDK, because what we found when we built a craft economy was that integration testing uh, wasn't really being done between the SDK and IBC. And actually, what was it, like two months, three months, uh, just to bring uh, the IBC modules and then, of course, Cosm Wasm uh, up to spec for SDK 46. Right. No, it's that, that, yeah, that's interesting. I guess the tooling uh, front of things. So like, yeah, I uh, if, if for example, right, when creating a chain with, with either of these scaffolding tools, um, you were able to like pull in validators from Quicksilver this would streamline it. it, it it's, it's hard, especially for people who are newer to the ecosystem. But I guess doesn't doesn't uh, shared security sort of have the same offering of the validator set? Uh, yes, but you lose your independence. Um, mm -hmm. So shared security allows you to organize against an existing validator set. And there are advantages to this, you know, like in the Quicksilver case, for example, I, I think it's probably an ideal shared security app for the hub um, because, you know, one of the key features of Quicksilver itself is, hey, we're going to make atoms liquid, uh, you know, but if you're, I don't know, maybe you're building a blockchain-based discussion forum or you're building some other sort of like infrastructure application like Akash, you really want your own validator set. You know, I mean, it might be interesting to look at the integration of Quicksilver. Um, how would this work? This, I guess you would still do the same Gen TXs, establish connections to Quicksilver, and then Quicksilver manages the staking pool. That's interesting stuff. With, with our own validators, you mean? Like a validator set? Well, no, not your, not your validator set. No, the chain would have its own validator set. But right, then right. Quicksilver could be the, the primary mechanism by which stake is balanced over the set. Right. Um, right. And I, I can't say for certain if that's a good thing, but I can say that it, it's definitely interesting. It's just one of the things that kind of caught my mind yeah. here. Yeah, that's I think like the direction we're going in. Like, we do want, like, I mean, I, 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 I do believe that a liquid staking interface would be soon the hop off point into staking and, and validator distribution in the coming year or so. So, yeah, I think definitely Quicksilver, that is one of the, one of the objectives. Yeah, and I guess, like, another question 
that had me thinking as for the validator folks is okay like i i have like brought this decent this whitelisted validator set argument up before and i and i wish uh, zaki was here to defend it but um well the the, the debate on the other side is that hey you have this whitelisted validator set, which is low risk. If you have a pool that's slashable against everyone, it significantly increases uh, increases risk. And decentralization, you lose decentralized. Decentralization would be a cost, but you can make up for it uh, uh, with security. So I guess, like my question uh, to validators is, like, how much does security scale with stake? Now my perspective was that it's a diminishing uh, marginal utility in some ways where sure at some point as you have more stake as a validator has more stake they will be more secure but that would rapidly drop off at some point do you guys think that's true do you think there's no correlation between performance and size what what are you guys feeling about that performance and size of delegation or yeah, delegation, delegation. Uh, you know what? I don't think that that correlation is all that huge, actually. Um, because we're, you know, it, it's funny because Cosmos is this, this, it's huge financially, right? I think we're in, we, we may have hit $100 billion in value secured across Cosmos networks. So we made a, might have drawn down a little bit recently because you know all the prices are in the dumps but like cosmos is enormous the flip side of this cosmos is a baby right and so one of the implications of cosmos being a baby here is that right now i think that the most used blockchain in cosmos is evmos and guys if you're looking for a reason to be bullish or bearish on evmos go look at the transaction count oh my god i'm bullish as hell it has had two and a half million transactions since coming back um and like yeah likely a bunch of those are automated like trading bots or whatever doesn't matter um the reality is like that chain is receiving enormous usage on that chain there will be very soon mark my words some performance like issues across the validator set um and stuff like that will increase the correlation between stake size and delegations or sorry between like machine capacity and delegation but right now i i don't i really don't think that the correlation there is all that huge um like we have one of the more performant validators in the osmosis uh validator set but um we look at it you know the largest validators um like cosmo station for example uh, really sustains itself on its wallet app. Um, Cosmos Station made a very good mobile wallet for Cosmos, which only has the option to delegate to Cosmos Station. And across many chains, that you know has led to Cosmos Station being the number one validator. Um, 
I have no problem with them creating interfaces to their services as they choose to. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess I think tooling like that um, is kind of what maps to delegation size right now. Do you think there's any way we can, like, use liquid staking to help spread out those delegations and not make things so top heavy and just like even out the consensus power. Probably. I, although I think that, and Vish, you correct me if I'm wrong. The Quicksilver design does not attempt to even out consensus power. Individuals uh, delegate and then assign the ability to claim the rewards. Is that right? Yeah, so individuals, so okay, the, the goal is to spread out uh, voting power, but we don't do that algorithmically. So there's no code which directly does that, but we do incentivize people for doing that. So it's more of a soft push, a soft nudge towards decentralization rather than like a, a, a codified commandment of sorts. Yeah, it would, you know, actually, it might be interesting to see a feature in Quicksilver that, you know, allows for a single transaction that stakes across a number of validators or, um, you know, another way that you could look at it is like you could target an equalized or weighted ranking possibly through the UI or possibly just, you know, through defaults, right? Um, one of the oddities of our current top-heavy distribution is that it doesn't utilize the power of Tendermint consensus all that much. Juno is the best with 29 validators to reach 66%. Yeah, I guess like what you what you were saying, like this is something we are considering to some level to have like a auto delegate option which delegates evenly across everyone or like uh, it takes into account decentralization performance and just does that automatically like for example what marinade does on solana um but like the only issue that i have with that is is it fair to then distribute governance power arbitrarily based purely on performance and size because governance power also Leads to things like community participation, so on and so forth. So I guess if we do do this at some point, then what I would also think about building is some kind of, uh, some kind of like a protocol political system tied in with our governance by proxy model, where where all delegations, where you probably have to like assign like your governance, like who you choose. Uh, to vote for, I mean, who 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 you choose to vote for you as validators. So, like in in Cosmos SDK, right? Just for context, like if you do, if you like a delegator can override the vote of the validator. So, by design, we'd want to have hundred percent of all votes uh, overridden if we use the auto stake option, and then figure out a way to then uh, assign a governance. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Like I um having an auto stake option, that's something you guys intend to pursue? Because I I think that that's 
going to be an interesting feature. Yeah, yeah. Now that's something we're definitely thinking about. Maybe not immediately at launch, but actually maybe like fairly soon, like probably before the end of the year for sure. Something we'd consider. And because once our governance by proxy uh, system kicks in, which also might not be exactly at launch, because uh, that requires a lot of interchain query and like off-chain verification work, uh, then this would become a much more viable option because we can build out that governance interface. And, and if we do that, then we can even imagine like, like for example, like Jacob could go start his own pool to say uh, on the hub and people could just uh, assign voting power to him. And, uh, and yeah, so you don't necessarily have to be a validator then to participate in, in, in governance. You could just be like a protocol politician or, or something along those lines, which is an interesting uh, possibility. I'm, I really like this idea and I really like splitting up the consensus power versus the voting power. Like, I feel like that that's something that we really should have in this ecosystem kind of like provides the checks and balances. And then I know Jacob, like we, I've kind of like talked before too. And even with you, Vish, like a protocol politician, like assigning that one person. But I saw like recently Jacob, you posted like a working group rather than just one individual putting all that on, um, would be really cool to see. So that actually would be like a really cool beneficial feature i think to see in the cosmos is kind of be able to split up that voting and consensus power and be able to vote by proxy to like you know working groups that you trust that are doing their due diligence for governance um, whether there's some sort of incentive mechanism built in for them or not um, it could just be really really cool for governance to see that happen yeah i mean like um well i feel like there's 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 a lot of work that needs to be done in governance actually guys i should say sdk 46 has a lot of it complete. Um, SDK 46 changes governance a lot and will result in some really good changes. Uh, it, it allows, you know, any module, or, uh, sorry, any SDK message to be sent by governance. And so what that means is you can vote on pretty much any action possible on the chain. Hey, Z, do you have a question? Because I know you came up here. Yeah, I do. Um, it's a little further back than the technicality of this of this uh, conversation. So I want to that breathe, and then I was going to step in. All right. Well, you know what? Why don't I step back and you you jump in? All right. Well, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask my question from the place of someone who's not quite as technically inclined and really just maybe this has been explained already but from the perspective of a casual user slash investor and someone who's trying to explain the concept of liquid staking to others and can't really answer the questions on my own and i guess question number one is first of all i want to point out that i really think it's cool that liquid staking allows for a person to separate their voting or rather to no longer have to separate their voting assets and like something they want to provide to liquidity which is you no longer have to feel bad about that but I guess where I get confused is it's cool that you get the secondary derivative, I guess in the case of Quicksilver, a Q asset, but as an investor or someone who uses these protocols, why would someone want to buy or LP with those assets is number one. And number two, if you did say sell your Q atom, what happens to your stake? Is it now gone or is it still staked under your name? I, I get very confused by these things. Yeah, those are pretty good questions. And I think like the easy way to imagine it, a Q asset is like a key, which represents a claim to the underlying asset plus 
the staking rewards that it accrues. So if you sell that asset to someone else, you sold them the key to that treasure, right? So now they own the claim uh, to the underlying asset plus the staking rewards. So I guess that that is is the first point. And what was your second question? I think it kind of answers both questions, I guess. I was asking, so if you, why would someone want to buy a Q asset was one. And two, if you sold a Q asset, what would happen to your stake? Would it, and I guess I was un- misunderstanding the concept of the presentation of the key rather than them being connected. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. So I guess also to like touch upon your other question, which is like, why would you want to hold the Q asset? Again, it, the Q asset does keep accruing staking rewards. So it's like a locker which keeps accruing rewards and that Q asset represents a claim to it. And obviously you can use it in DeFi or in extra yields. And you can also participate in protocol governance. So currently, right, if you have some atom, you put it in a liquidity pool, you can't use that atom uh, for governance. You're essentially locked out of governance. But with what we're working in, on Quicksilver, you could hold a Q atom in an osmosis pool, for example, and still use that Q atom in, in protocol governance. And I think that that is a pretty cool uh, possibility. And let's say you use a Q atom in a liquidity pool. Does that give you, therefore, claim to the staking rewards as well as you kind of said before, or is that would that have to be unbonded? Uh, what was the last part? Staking rewards as well as? Oh, I was saying if you had your Q atom, for example, in a liquidity pool, would you still have claim to the staking rewards while that was bonded in the pool, or would that have to be unbonded? No, you'd you'd have um, you'd have a claim on the staking rewards. Um, so you you that that would that's immutable. Like you'd never lose that claim as long as you have the Q asset. Your staking rewards keep accruing wherever it is. Uh, that's amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, easy. Imagine like at first one atom equals one Q atom, but eventually one atom is going to equal one less than Q equal to less than one Q atom because it's accrued those staking rewards. So say you get that one Q atom. By the time you turn it in, like a year later, it's going to be like one atom plus whatever the inflation. Would have been up to that point and all those rewards i guess are held in a smart contract of some kind until you decide to unbond or un- however that works de liquid stake or something uh, so from like what this said yeah so it just sounds like all those atom are still staked and it's spread out and through the quicksilver network like through delegating through all the different validators wherever it's gone and then like you said that that q atom is just a key to unlock the corresponding amount of atom from the quicksilver protocol back into your Adam wallet. That's amazing. Thank you, man. That that for me, it's just kind of confusing. <clears throat> what would happen if you lose those Q Q assets? <laughs> yeah, oh, if you lose your Q atoms, that's uh, <laughs> you're in trouble. Just like if you lose your atoms, I guess. Right. Yep. <laughs> Finally, round out my understanding, though the concept of liquid staking, unlike with say like superfluid, which is obviously the reverse, but it's done through a protocol of some kind. It's not like you could just stake into Kepler and be like, "I want to liquid stake this." Yeah, I mean, if uh, if Kepler does provide like an integration, uh, that would be pretty awesome. But yeah, it, 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 currently it is on because uh, Kepler is just the front end. To some to some degree, so yeah, it, it is like on a protocol. I guess the other difference with Superfluid is that um, Superfluid doesn't have this like system of where you have a key that you can use around in different places. But with the Q asset, sure, it, it's slightly more complicated because you have to deal with this with this other asset in your wallet. But 
you can use it for a lot more and there's there's a lot more to be built that's really really cool and just before i step down i just want to say uh, like i tell everyone vish thanks so much for coming up here it means a lot to all of us when founders come and answer questions like this it makes it really just sells the cosmos ecosystem to the rest of us yeah anytime i i, I love being in the cosmos spaces uh sure i think it's pretty good I, yeah it's awesome what you guys are doing thanks az so uh maybe uh, going back to uh like jacob and reese get a question so like from perspective of validators what do you think is necessary um and important to you to make sure that like liquid staking is successful and is is a benefit to the to the cosmos ecosystem uh, could you repeat that real quick yeah no worries so like what is important to you from the perspective of a validator to make sure that uh liquid staking is successful throughout the cosmos ecosystem Ah, now I like the Quicksilver solution. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, we don't need to do anything. That's uh, like, well, look, Quicksilver is a beautiful design. Okay. Uh, we don't need to do a thing. Um, now, what, what, what makes a good validator? That's a different question. But, you know, if, if the Quicksilver design works out well, then validators don't change their existing business models. They just, you know, keep doing. And, you know, at present, my belief, well, what makes a good or compelling validator is, is really like, are you as far away from a data center as possible? Are you hard to unplug? Uh, do you own your own systems? Um, and, and just so the audience knows, like, you can probably begin validating for less than two thousand dollars um that doesn't mean you're immediately going to be a pro uh and and when i began i spent twenty thousand but by the way i did not need to it was dumb i wasted money okay um the the hardware that i bought initially was much more than needed and um i really want to advocate like these these low budget validating setups because honestly like if i were to grab one of my validators physically from my office and walk it down the street to my house plug it into my phone not 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 you know ethernet not anything else just plug it into my mobile phone most likely it's gonna work more than good enough um so my like criteria for a validator at this point is decentralization. How hard is it to kill? That's my one. Yeah, Jacob, I know you're uh, you're strong leading the bare metal alliance and like really trying to send that like message that, like you said, it's how hard is it to to unplug you? You know, because if it's easy to unplug the validators, it's easy to unplug this whole decentralized network we're building. Yeah, I don't know, if it makes sense. We could also like, um, and like, feel free. This is like just a off the top of my head idea, but like with things like running a bare metal setup, if you could somehow verify it, we could issue like some sort of NFTs that validators could have on their UI. We could even do so for like carbon neutral uh, validators. Is that something you guys think has demand? Also, validators that write code is also a major thing too. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Contributors type, yeah. 
Yeah. And even like relaying, I think that there's definitely some ways that, that you know, you could recognize different validators or different ways um, for their contributions that aren't necessarily so obvious, um, whether that's the contributions or the way that they run their setup. Um, that would be cool to reward validators like that, because I even saw like an airdrop recently that was geared towards, you know, exclusively validators who were relaying, um, you know, so to see validators kind of get recognized for that, I think that the validators themselves, of course, would appreciate that, but the community would really see value in that as well. Um, you know, and I think we were even working on some, <laughs> some like, you know, these badge NFT type things, um, kind of like PoOps, but, you know, like a little different, just Cosmos native. Um, and like trying to make them that rec make some that recognize contributors like that. Uh, so yeah, Vish, like, I think that that's a great idea and there would be demand. You know, I think like we said too, like there's, there's more than just, you know, like there's more than one thing you can do this for as well. Oh, that's awesome. Like, I think if, if you guys make or mint some NFTs, uh, we'd love to include them on our front end. Hell yes. Yeah, Reese Jacob, what do you guys think about that? You think that's cool? Yeah, I think that's super oh, yeah. cool. Eric, what's going on, Eric? Hey, I just wanted to add to that. I think Vish, that that's, and I think I've heard other people say it before, but that's such a great idea to like kind of put a little attribute, you know, NFT or whatever to a validator. Because it is overwhelming to see 175 validators and to know which one is the right one to to stake on. So if you were able to just like see this, and it like I I used to play a lot of video games, so it actually reminds me of playing um, Madden. And when it came time to hire your coach, uh, there's different attributes. One's a trainer. One's good at um, at like reaching older players or younger players. And I remember like having to make selections based off of that. So that's what you made me think of right now. It's like, hey, if I could see a validator who's bare metal or who knows how to code or, you know, has another attribute, like that would definitely help me make my decision. And then it would also help, I guess, whenever you do different types of like maybe NFT giveaways and stuff, like you could just do it like for only validators, you do this or do that. So I think I think that's actually a really cool thing to maybe work towards. That's all I want to say about that. Yeah, like imagine that interface. You know, you could just like see all the validators and you can be like, okay, yeah, like we have the standard uptime or whatever, or just like the rankings. But let me see like, you know, these badges and you can just start to see like, oh, wow, this validator is a bare metal validator. They're a relayer. They contribute like to the core code. Um, there's so much more that they're doing that I, I don't see on other validators, you know, like that's something that should be recognized. Um, and I think that will actually have good effects throughout the network because the people who are Contributing what, more will be rewarded more and be able to contribute yeah. more. Yeah. What about a voting badge? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool for ones that actually vote like a certain percent of the time. I think MintScan kind of shows this. Uh, they show how many you they voted out of the total proposals. I think it should be edited from like whenever the validator actually jumps in. But Mint, MintScan kind of does this. But I think that badges are a good idea. Um, also from the validation side of things where... There should be options in whenever you create a validator uh, to have the metadata show other options. So, for example, your GitHub link, you could have it also say somehow link the IP of one of your relayers. And then you would have something on your relayer as well. So the chain could confirm that you do run both those relayers. Uh, that way that something like that way that a validator doesn't put someone else's relayer or something on there where we can have that on the chain itself and communicate together. So, no. I think all of this is super good for the ecosystem as a whole to be looking for and implementing into protocols such as Quicksilver, on-chain governance, whatever the case may be. Good yeah. input, Reese. We're going to get started on this for sure. That's, that's cool. 
Oh, is there anybody out there else in the crowd right now that uh, has any questions uh, for any validating questions, any questions about liquid staking and Quicksilver for Vish? Um, feel free to request the mic. Feel free to send us some DMs, uh, anything. Um, or, uh, we've got an open stage, so don't be afraid. I see that uh, Jacob dropped down, and I, I was just going to ask him again, like, why do uh, validators on osmosis not get penalized for for massive downtime? But he he dropped down already. Yeah, it kind of sounded like you know it, it didn't necessarily benefit the network to be slashing people for that and to just remove them from consensus, which keeps the network stable. But there's obviously yeah, like a little more social aspect to it of why they agreed to that, which yeah, it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And hey, Reese, um, what kind of coding do you do? So for me, uh, it's. Currently, I'm working on craft economy, so I do basically everything that we need from the technical perspective. I try to keep my hand in all of it. So Python, Go, Java. I do bash scripting for the uh, our backend servers. I'm learning Docker, so that way we can scale our Docker stuff up. I've uh, done a little bit of website stuff, so I have to deal with JavaScript. So it's basically like I think I've touched almost every popular language here so far, and still need to learn Rust for smart contracts. So just kind of everything. Good for you, dude. Thank you. But um, I, I was just going to say, like, when I first got into Cosmos, I'm not going to lie, like, it was very hard making a decision on what validator I should stake my tokens with. And I think there just needs to be um, just somewhere where people can just go to, like, newbies. Like, I don't even know, man. Maybe, like, some sort of Twitter uh, Twitter profile where people can go directly and find out what validators are doing what, you know? For for newbies, I always get this question. Hey, guys, like, you guys been here for a while. What validator should I pick? And you basically have to just explain to them that, you know, it takes a lot of time to do this type of research. But there has to be a, a better way to do this in the future. Yeah, because there's also a tendency, like, for people who just enter to pick, like, the ones that you see first, which are, like, the big ones. And that further exacerbates the problem. Yes, absolutely. And not only that, but like, like I said, when I was new, um, I definitely put my tokens to a validator that said uh, 0% commission and slash protection, <laughs> just because I was a newbie, right? And that's p- probably not the best thing to do. But yeah, we got to open, um, open stage up here. Feel free to request to speak. We're not going to bite. And Vish, uh, where, where are you at right now in the world? I know you do a lot of traveling, dude. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm currently still still in India. I will be heading over to Prague soon uh, for the, for the Blockquake conference. Uh, then I'll be in Europe for some time before heading off to Medellin uh, for Cosmos. Nice. Beautiful. Medellin. Hopefully we'll see you there, Vish. Yeah, no, looking forward to meeting you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we got a Dexter connecting coming on stage. We'll get to uh, Dexter here in a sec, but might be stuck in the connecting spinning circle. The circle of death. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Been having it's like a lot an of Xbox ring of death when you're a kid. No, <laughs> it's still going too. <laughs> yeah. So while we let him load in, uh, Vish, maybe like you can explain your vision of like how you see liquid staking evolving um, in the Cosmos ecosystem and beyond. Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Uh, and a slightly hard one to answer because liquid staking in Cosmos has 
is really just about about to come and i think the ideal or like where i see it going will be it would be another layer of of sorts right so things like like what kind of validators to display how to incentivize or disincentivize validators all of these choices will now be made on the liquid staking layer so that is where i see liquid staking going with regard um uh with regards to like the structure of of the ecosystem and then the political spread in the ecosystem right and i think that's why like governance of liquid staking protocols is super important and it's important that the governance token is also spread across the entire ecosystem and are not not concentrated with one chain or holders of or stakers of assets of one chain or or just be an external thing right like be be an external governance token or like a dao outside of the cosmos ecosystem so i think that's one um area of 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 development that i see in the ecosystem and i guess the second thing is also the entire defi element of it and maybe this is more quicksilver specific but with liquid staking and interchain queries you can do some pretty awesome stuff like interchain queries essentially allows you to say hey i have i, I have a q asset on that chain uh and it lets you use it on on another chain right so you could have a collateralized debt position or like a loan essentially on like one chain you could hold assets there and you could essentially take a loan out on another chain because you can verify that you actually have an asset there and i think this is pretty cool because because then you have like the concept of like custody chains coming up like chains just meant to custody assets but still you can use them in defi with q assets and i think like this is a pretty cool uh pretty cool development but that me saying that interchain queries is quite complicated like it's never been implemented yet quicksilver will be the first zone to implement it so there will be like some figuring out to do in terms of how we build these things and like how we can make it like simple for the users to use and and yeah that that would be a challenge but some super cool stuff is possible with that yeah that's awesome you know i think that like you said it's still just like just the beginning you know we haven't even really started so there's still so much to come um and then we did have a, a question that came out from the crowd um we kind of did talk about this a little bit earlier but i think this is like a really good uh question because it's it's something that we don't really maybe some people don't realize um they're curious about what we think about the influence of this the wallet and staking uis um for the top for the effect on top heavy validator sets like do we think that the way that they're displaying things in kepler and disperse and all these different um services has an effect on the spread of delegations like when they see the list they just quickly delegate to the top um what do you guys how do you guys feel about that anybody up here if you want to go but i can go after you yeah yeah so i guess like one like opinion i have on that i, th- I think it i think it starts having a significant impact when it comes to outside of the top 15-20 validators perhaps Because like when I was doing this on Minscan the other day, I was just going and looking at like top ten validators and like seeing where the stake comes from. You have these like massive accounts, right? Like five million atom, two million atom, three million atom, um, and it, it's clear that these guys have done their due diligence. They've made their choices based on other factors, right? So maybe these delegations will not move much uh, 
it's the interface changes but i think outside of that top 20 where retail delegations really start having an influence i think ui makes like quite a quite a pretty quite a big impact on that yeah dude like i was saying earlier um when i when i first joined um and i used started using kepler like for real it's it's just because you see a whole bunch of tokens delegated to this validator in the the one through ten spots you feel more safer putting your tokens there um and i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's made for people to um you know fully understand what's happening there you know if you start putting your tokens here in the top one through ten uh, it's going to be less decentralized or even I, like, like Reese was saying, we need more information. We need more data so that people can do proper research. Yeah. And you kind of got to think, you know, like, <clears throat> like the atom hub, for example, you know, when you have 150, 175, you know, validators to scroll through, you know, at some point, like we all know, like attention span, like people are only going to scroll so far and look so far. And so, you know, the way that it is designed a little bit, it is just harder, like, like we said, for some of the retail investors to make their way to the lower uh, part of the set, because there are some really good validators down there, but it's just, they aren't like as accessible, you could say, um, for users. And we'd all know how UX and UI is just so important. So um, it is something that, you know, I think wallets could do to help. Like, I think the OmniFlix uh, interface kind of randomizes um, the validator list when you go and go on to their interface um, but kind of like Vish said some of the validators just still have such big backings you know and really big investors that are that are sticking with those validators that probably won't move them too far but it could have a really good effect on the rest of the the set i feel like we also need like uh like a metric that tells you how much centralization is from the top validators from one through 30 like how heavy it is like a just some sort of metric like with a uh, green and red bar like I, I could show you a good example i know there's um an interface that uh, another chain uses and when i find it i'll screenshot it and share it here on the on the top of the, the space yeah i just noticed um oh, i'm sorry tricky Go uh, i just noticed that on the galaxy chain dot zone that new one i don't know much about the chain so do your own research there but i saw jay abby as a um a delegator and then i went today and i looked at it again and he wasn't at the top and i was like what, what's going on here and then i actually looked and it looks like every time you refresh the page they're randomized as far as what validator is shown on on their interface which is awesome and then they also have a little green number next to their um uh their amount of stake which shows you how much percent they have of the voting power so i could i could see how that could help on adam you know if you saw that somebody has 20% of the voting power that might tell you, Oh, like maybe I need to spread these tokens out. Like, I don't know if everybody's going to think that way. Like, like Gaines said, if they're going to come in and have that education or foresight, but at least that would kind of, I guess, spark the thought, like, why would I care about how much voting power they have? And then try to like, uh, you know, spread out those delegations more. So I thought I saw that galaxy chain zone had that basically what y'all were talking about with the randomized validators. And I thought that was interesting. Yes, yeah, so some interfaces do kind of some things like that where like they'll have uh, a red little circle on like the one through 10, you know, validators to kind of like push people away, um, which which does help. Um, but yeah, I think I think that uh, little things like that do do more for like the overall set, maybe not just for the top 10, um, because those guys are going to be there either way. But 
definitely for the overall set. I liked Eric's idea of using like those ranking systems from video games um, in a similar way. Like if each, uh, like if a validator had a um, an icon next to each other, and like you can trigger those with NFTs. Like if that validator owns an NFT on their uh, wallet, then in Kepler it shows like. I think it would be awesome to go with the Halo 2's uh, <laughs> ranking system where it's like the top one is the moon. And then, you know, I forgot what else they have, but I know they had an awesome like one through 40 uh, like uh, ranking system that looked just awesome. And like, I don't know, uh, something similar to that, but like without the numbers, like just symbols like, oh, this person, like you said, is a coder. This person is a relayer and they have a certain symbol that kind of... Um, you know, highlights that or just says, oh, that like you can kind of look at it real easily and say, oh, that's like that that validator has a lot of badges. I think I want to, you know, contribute to their stake. And then um, maybe like a, like uh, I think Gaines said education, like at the top of Kepler or wherever you're going to delegate, like if there was just maybe a paragraph that said, hey, what you're about to do is, you know, <laughs> delegate your stake of the network with a validator and it's best to keep the network decentralized. Like, just give some general education about why it's best to decentralize it. Um, and I think that would help a lot. Check this uh, picture up here, Tricky, that I pinned to the top. You see how there's like a like a little uh, bar that tells you how much voting power they have. And it even yeah. tells you improve decentralization by delegating to valid validators below. So Minscan actually does this too. So if you go on Minscan, it'll show you like what, percentage of the voting power um the validators have up until that point so if like you go to validator number seven it'll be like okay the top seven validators have this percentage of the roll vote go to 12 top 12 validators have this percentage um so like yeah i think that the way to do this that's just easier for everybody ever they do it with everything else is to gamify it you know how can we just make this super easy super cool fun and, and kind of engaging to where it's easy for people but it grabs people's attention and in a good way Yep, just like MintScan, now I see it, yep. I forgot they had that. I would love to see something like that on Kepler. That would be nice. Yeah, Kepler's just got so much going on, you know, like priorities, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, I think that I think that Kepler is, is all about UX and UI. So I, I do see eventually them hearing that people want that, those kind of things. And I think that they'll do that. Because I think they've already heard kind of how people want them to randomize their, their uh, validator list. Um, they said, I think they said they're going to try to do something about that. Um, so it'll, it'll all take time, you know, but, but we'll see a lot of cool stuff happening to, to continue to help educate people and bring that to people's, uh, you know, make sure people are aware of this stuff. If you have anybody else out there, any questions, feel free to DM, feel free to request the mic, uh, anything. We also have the giveaway going on in the Discord. Um, we're giving away some Osmo. I think there's uh, 10 Osmo, five winners, two Osmo each. So head to the Discord, get verified, go to the giveaway channel, um, and throw a, a little reaction on the giveaway bot and be entered in. Um, and we're also going to give away a Star Chode. Um, so if there is anybody in here who uh, would like one, uh, what we're going to do is you got to request the mic come up here and talk um tell us uh what you thought about the talk tonight and that's all and you'll win the free start job sick 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 hey uh, hey, hey uh clay what website did you check earlier that that you were talking about with uh, jay abby 
and how it's like doing a random random uh, randomization. It's, it's called galaxychain.zone. Okay. Galaxy. I don't know what it does, but it, you know, it's like a, it looks like it's going to be like an NFT, maybe a game or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. Gotcha. And tricky. That was yeah, that was kind of new to me since dude, I I'm not going to lie, I don't use Cosmos Station at all. I always use Kepler. I didn't know that when you click stake, it always goes to Cosmos Station. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I think mm-hmm. that it's totally reasonable for people that are building these interfaces to have s- some sort of easy access to delegate to their validators. Um, but I do think that it should be opened up. It shouldn't be just Cosmos Station, but, you know, it's their product. They have the choice that they want to do. Yeah, with it. I think Trust Wallet does the same thing with, with Binance, but, you know, you yeah. would expect that from them. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it would take to convince Cosmos Station to open it up. Like, what would we have to do? Would they ever even consider doing it? You know, they they already have a ton of power and a lot of the chains, you know, that people stake to. So wonder if they would ever be able to open that back up or open it up, I mean. I think if they do a Quicksilver integration, which which I think they will sooner or later. Uh, yeah, I think that would indirectly open it up. Is that a little hint? <laughs> <laughs> you can you can take it as that. <laughs> that's super cool because that's obviously one of the biggest, uh, you know, wallets, most used wallets in the Cosmos ecosystem. So that's going to be a lot of people that are going to have instant access, maybe into uh, the Quicksilver protocol. Um, that's super cool. That'd be good. A uh, quick question for Vish: Do you have uh, any Star Trek NFTs by chance? No, no, I don't. Actually, well, I haven't, I haven't gotten in on the NFT game yet. <laughs> well, I think we might have to give you this Star Trek. So, uh, for doing round two with us, um, being a great participant and, and answering all the questions and sharing your time and your knowledge with the community, um, if you'd like, <laughs> don't want to, to force it on you, but. Yeah, yeah, no. If uh, if you're offering, yeah, I'll definitely take it. <laughs> if if you don't want it, I'll take oh, it. If you don't want it, I, I I'm an NFT addict and I collect NFTs on all blockchains. I'm just kidding. No, um, but seriously, I already got one of those NFTs. It's a privilege and an honor. Thank you so much, Tricky. I, I just wanted to say thank you in person. And I, I just every time you have these spaces, I learn so much. I'm Sandy Toes and I've had the Kepler wallet since Osmos was like you know starting so i've been in this journey and i love and you know what i was not into like the validator and the voting and governance i was just happy counting my airdrops and money and yeah i did my voting but now i'm more serious thanks to your spaces and thank you for taking the time to you know talk about these things because it's like a lot of people you know they don't even know like what bitcoin is never mind nfts but you know what i'm an nft junkie i'm a space junkie and I love learning because it's just about literacy. You know, I went to college and it's just another level of survival of the fittest. So I would just want to say thanks to everybody and very nice to meet you, Vish. It's, uh, I'm on the Tezos blockchain originally, but I am loving all the Cosmos, different platforms of all the different NFTs. And there's going to be a huge shift once people realize what's going on here. So that's what I think. Thanks. Thank you, Sandy. I always appreciate you being here and participating. 
And I'm glad you uh, enjoyed your NFT <laughs> that, uh, that you got. And uh, shout out to uh, our lovely community member who uh, decided to donate the NFTs for giveaway. Didn't want to be mentioned, but wanted to show some love. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Wherever you are out there in the NFT world. <laughs> so, Sandy, I guess since you're up here, if you don't mind, um, when you got into the Cosmos ecosystem and started staking your tokens, how did you pick a validator? Was it tough for you? What would you like to see improved? Well, honestly, um, I didn't know a lot. I would look at them. I looked at the percentages and I knew never to pick somebody that had 0%. That just right off the bat never made sense to me. I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, when something's free, something's not right. So I didn't trust that. And I also didn't pick the highest one either because I'm like, wait a minute, that's a ripoff. I don't need to go to Nordstrom's for everything. What are they doing that's so great that they're going to charge 10%? You know, so then I'm like, okay, who's in the middle? And then I looked at what they did. And some of these validators were like super established. There were European companies who were strong and I felt safe. And I'm like, okay, they know what they're doing. They got their equipment. And then there was CryptoCito. So when I saw his thing, because he's so dedicated, you know, he doesn't get, I mean, I guess he gets paid for stuff, but he's, he has talked about blockchain literacy and not just about Cosmos, but about cryptocurrency and blockchain in general. So I did stick with him. And then now that these Twitter spaces are going, I have redelegated. And I really like that you have, because I used to think you had to just undelegate and wait a whole bunch of days before you could move it. But I really love the redelegate future. So it's already doing things that, you know, I need. So I, I like those futures, features. And, um, and, and I've started now delegating to, you know, the Cosmos lady, to um, the Cosmos spaces. And, um, and a little bit, you know, I threw some to uh, and sunshine validators. So I'm going through. And now I'm much more aware of what are they doing? Who are they? And before it was about deeply getting into just, okay, am I even going to like buy this coin? Am I going to buy Adam? Am I going to buy Osmosis? Am I going to buy Secret? And, and so now I'm like deep into it. Now that I have all these different coins and I've been getting it, now it's like, well, where am I locking it up? Who's, 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 who's running this, you know, who's, who's running this show? So that's my personal experience. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you, Sandy, for sharing. And I'm going to challenge everybody today um, that uh, I wish that people could just, you know, put a little tweet out there, letting people know how important that is um, not to delegate their tokens to um, validators that have either like zero commission or are um, centralized exchanges validators. So I challenge everybody to just make a tweet later tonight, if you could, or sometime uh, next week, just to spread some more awareness. What's up, Sefi? Not too much. Kind of have my mouth full with dinner. <laughs> what are you guys up to today? Not much. We've uh, been talking with Vish here. He's the uh, co-founder of Quicksilver. They're going to be the uh, like go-to liquid staking module in the Cosmos. So I know this is something that would uh, really interest you. Um, kind of free up all your staked assets to be in DeFi, use as leverage. Um, so they're going to kind of have like the same thing. Uh, but instead of like a B atom, it's going to be Q atom. Um, then they're going to be able to do that for all Cosmos native SDK chains, which includes Terra, if that uh, if, if we get to that point. So it's it's going to be uh, basically able to do a bunch of liquid staked 
assets without having um and it'll be like a liquid stake dex essentially too like all the coins on it will be paired with liquid stake tokens how does it work i mean there's no dex per se we we will use the decks that are currently available but uh, i think what one thing that differentiates us is that we're we're scalable infinitely to some extent because we don't have to build on top of a chain we are a chain ourselves so using interchain accounts we can just connect to any ibc enabled chain to do liquid staking on them well okay yeah got it now but say for example i would want to um get on a protocol where there is um I want to get on a protocol where I want to rebalance between liquid stake tokens, for example. Um, would a DEX need to integrate uh, with Quicksilver to bring all those assets in? Or like, what does the user experience look like, is I guess my question. Yeah, I guess the, the user flow would be you come to the Quicksilver zone, you bond your atoms or whatever you have for Q assets. Uh, and then you ship that Q asset out to a DEX. So we would already, as, as a process of onboarding, create like a liquidity pool with, with liquidity in it. So you can just ship your asset there and, and earn rewards on it. Or you could send it to a lending protocol like Anchor. You could send it to uh, Kava, a Comdex for synthetics. Um, yeah, really up to you. I could just hold it. And doing all of this, you'll be able to still participate in, in protocol governance. Very cool. Um, now, is this such that, like, let's say I have Adam right now. Do I, um, would I, is there like a delegation process that you could, like, if you're already staked? Like, like so what do you do with your stake, the assets are already staked right now, I guess is my question. Yeah, so we're uh, integrating the, like, the liquidity staking module that Zaki, the occlusions team is working on. So it would really be a one-click process. So within one click you can transfer your already staked position and make it liquid on quicksilver very cool so vish so when how long after we have like q atom um, will we be able to use it in lending protocols like anchor or kava uh, i'd assume relatively soon maybe a matter of like a month or more because i mean the only dependency there is that an asset needs to have enough liquidity for it to be considered good collateral. So it just depends on how fast we get that liquidity. It could be less than a month even. Um, so yeah, we're working on pretty short timeframes there. Yeah, that's super exciting. Like it, it'd be nice to be able to use our Cosmos assets uh, that we have staked, particularly for like um, managing loan to value on those platforms. Cause sometimes, you know, you're, you know, you're interested in having some dip buying potential or managing loan to value ratio or something like that. And, you know, you have your assets that are staked and now you're just sort of stuck and um, it can be kind of frustrating. So it's it's a real, I think it's a real solution to a problem on Cosmos to be able to grab this platform. So yeah, bravo. Hopefully everything works out great. So this, so just kind of like going back to the user process again, like one more time. So when they do go and enter the Quicksilver protocol and and uh, have their assets liquid stake, they select a validator that they're going to want those assets liquid stake to at the moment. Um, is it going to kind of be like a whole new process of like the list, go through the list again? Or will it say like, hey, do you want to keep them staked with your current validator or do you want to change? 
Yeah, so if you have pre-existing delegations, um, the you could keep it with. So, so how we're thinking about the UI, the pre-existing delegations would be like these selectable boxes. So you can you can select it and bring it on to Quicksilver. Uh, and when it's on Quicksilver, you can then choose your validators there. So, yeah, or you could just keep them too, which means you just don't have to. So on the back end, it would be a redelegate function. Uh, if you already have staked assets, but obviously on the front end, it'd be much simpler, right? Where you just bring in your stake and you can choose to choose validators or you can just forget about it and stay as it is. But that would affect obviously your participation rewards if it's like one big validator. So you might want to take a look at that before you just stake. Uh, Vish, I have one other question. Um... It, it's I'm, I don't know the technical uh, details, but my understanding was is that f like comprehensive or full IBC implementation on Terra was not available quite yet. I'm not sure what what is actually left to be done. But are there any sort of details that prevent um, us from sort of using Quicksilver assets when they become available on Terra, or is there like some technical stuff that has to be worked out first? So as it stands right now, IBC is in most levels fully enabled on Terra. What is not enabled yet is uh, interchain accounts, which is something we need. Um, but it, if, if Terra follows the regular Cosmos SDK upgrade pattern, which they have so far, uh, at least as far as I know, uh, then interchain accounts will be en enabled. And I also uh, I, I might have seen like <laughs> Do Kwan put out a tweet about uh, how good interchain accounts is. So um, I'd assume that it is on, on the pipeline for them to follow through with that upgrade. Okay. But it, it, it's that upgrade's not necessarily, is it needed to bring Quicksilver assets over? Or is no. that not really necessary right now? Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah that, that's a good point. To bring Quicksilver assets over, uh, we can do it right now. There's there's no upgrade required. But the onboard Terra, the interchain accounts would be required. Okay, I see. Um, cool. Yeah, I think uh, it'd be. It's just gonna be exciting to be able to do that because I think the hesitation that, um, well, for me, the hesitation I have about buying any asset actually is whether or not that asset can be used intrinsically as collateral. So I think it brings a tremendous amount of value to any of the uh, Cosmos-based assets when they can be used as collateral uh, at, any, at a moment's notice. So, um, you know, it, it, I think it's going to lead to more people buying all sorts of Cosmos assets, especially when, you know, you, their utility immediately increases as a result of, um, you know, as a result of, you know, what Quicksilver is doing from a collateral perspective. Um, yeah, very exciting stuff. Um, I, cause I'd also like to see Vish, um, I ultimately, I'm not sure if you've looked at Nebula protocol yet on Terra, but, um, you know, the Nebula protocol is a fantastic place for liquid staked assets. Um, and, uh, it, it basically allows, uh, I don't know what the best, uh, comparison is, but it's basically a rebalancer protocol. And, um, allows you to kind of invest in uh, like almost an ETF style package of assets, but 
you know, my favorite thing to do with that is going to be um, when it fully opens is the ability to use liquid staked assets specifically, because that way, if there's any trading um, or price difference between assets, you can get that benefit as a trader. But then simultaneously, while your assets are sitting there, they're liquid staked and they're sort of growing in value over time as well. Um, so it, it's just a cool, um, you know, like liquid staked assets, I just think represent a very cool uh, use of um, proof of stake assets in general. Yeah, yeah, that's something we've been thinking about too, like building like a Q IBC token, like a, a token which is collateralized by all other liquid state IBC assets. Ah, yeah, that's in, in, in the pipeline. And I guess like another cool prospect about uh, lending, what I'm excited about, and I think someone mentioned it here last week, is like self-paying loans. Because um, you have because Q assets constantly accrue value in, in, with, in terms of staking rewards. So you could have like loans that just pay themselves over time. Yeah, I think you're referring to something like Alchemix or what's built on Terra now, which is called Kinetic Money, that they just are starting out with that. And there's not very many assets yet. Actually, there's almost nothing. Uh, but yeah, there, that started a little bit on Terra at least. I don't know that it's any kind of self-repaying platform is available in Cosmos otherwise yet. So it'd be awesome to have that as well. Yeah, I think these Terra integrations are definitely pretty cool for us to look more into. I think... It's an awesome ecosystem going there. Yeah, Sevi, what's cool is like, say Terra does integrate this, or just no matter what chain it is, instead of it just being that BA asset where you're not necessarily gaining much yield, the the asset goes up in value because it's accruing those staking rewards, like at the same time, and you can still participate in governance. So like you said, the utility is like tripling, you know, almost by doing this. Yeah, it just, it just makes uh, assets just more attractive to hold, right? Like, you know, maybe you were debating whether you should hold them or not. But now, you know, hey, if I can use that asset as a um, as a cross chain asset, I can use it as a like I said, just emergency LTV management. Like on days like this when the market's crashing, um, you're going to feel more comfortable buying things outside of say just Luna because that's the only thing or the few tokens that you can use as collateral. And even if I wanted to move my my atom right now, which is staked, and I wanted to be able to manage LTV, I can't because like it's stuck there, right? And what am I gonna do? Unstake it? That's gonna like mess with airdrops and God knows what else. So <laughs> it uh, it it you know I haven't really used the bonded atom um, that persistence brought over to anchor yet because it's such a pain in the ass to use it right now. Yeah, the persistence protocol is a little weird because their B atom is. You have to take it, they have to go through wormhole to get it over to anchor. So it's like, I feel like defeating the whole purpose of being, you know, a cosmos based chain and enabling IBC and then going through all that. And eventually, I think yeah. right now, like they took away the gas fees, but it's going to come back, you know. Yeah, so I, I, I've stopped looking at him. I got done with them. I stopped looking at him. I'm focusing on other stuff. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. And they have a whitelist of seven validators. Seven is, is, it's quite small, I'd say. That's pretty risky. And why, why is that, Vish? Why don't they only have seven? I've seen that brought up earlier on um, Twitter here. Yeah, I actually have no idea why. I, I'd say seven is a pretty low number, even by Lido standards. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just, like, easy to bootstrap. Um, and, yeah. See, for example, like, I know that Lido and Ethereum, and they did a presentation about this in Amsterdam. Uh, 
for DevConnect, where, where they do like this rigorous background check. They they ask validator for all these documents. They do best practice checks, so on and so forth. I'm not sure if PSIG does them. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. If, if it's such a low number, maybe they do. Thanks, Vish. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part one of a two-part IBC Gang Lounge Cosmos Spaces Space, hosted by Tricky, chatting about liquid staking with Quicksilver Zone and other Cosmos validators. Recorded on Saturday, April 30th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Itchy and grimy, staying alive when the virus took over and showed us how to die. First it started out with a little coffin fit. Next thing you know, getting fitted for a coffin shit. Break out the Sunday best, breaking runway sweats. Like a funhouse mirror, making fun of these pets. Are we done yet? Just five more minutes. Make the decision to pull the plug and let's get dinner. Winter spinning dizzy round a thinning circle. Hair trigger slipping, so much for keeping it surgical. Disintegrate that micro, finger on the Lysol. Kicking doors in, but never find the right stall. The bark is worse than the bite, y'all dishonest. Liars lying about how big their lion is. Cage rattled, I gotta keep the flow hypnotic. So I stole this tiger's shirt from Joe Exotic. Tiger should be here tomorrow. Gift baskins from a secret admirer. Acting like you ain't the one to get fed to the tiger. One false move, one little slip up, get your guts ripped up. Drunk off the stigma, funky with my pimp cup. The dude abides, missing a couple teeth, but that's by design. Friendly reminders to make better decisions, keeping that distance, preventing collisions. The business end of this beast is all teeth all week. We'll call you, so don't ever call me. Wrapped up in the lines, feeling kinda sorry. Switching it up from alarm to alarming. Whether or not it's balmy, laying by the palm trees. My favorite time, kicking it with the fall breeze. Living like the king of this redneck ghetto. Waiting for the day I get my Netflix special. Ladies and gentlemen, before you hear it on the news, I'm gonna tell you myself. About an hour ago, we had an incident where one of the employees stuck their arm through the cage and a tiger tore her arm off. I can give you your money back or I can give you a rain check. Why don't you come back at another day? What do you want me and Paul to do right now? Do chores. Chores. Be safe. Okay. Do not stick your hands in any cages. Alright. Terrible spaces.